Hey everyone, welcome to Blue Features Podcast, Stride, Organizing with Purpose, where we showcase the incredible work and voices of progressive, young, motivated organizers and leaders. Each week we will bring to you their stories from all across the country. These people are working hard to make our world a more free and just place. If you or someone you know might be interested in chatting with us, send us a message on Instagram at bluefuturenow. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Stride Podcast. We are really excited to have you all with us today. We have an awesome youth organizer we will be interviewing. Uh, But before we get started, I wanted to introduce myself. My name is Morgan Starr. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague, Nick Guthman. Nick, it is always great to record these episodes with you. How is your day going? Good, good. Hey, Morgan. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. It's going to be a good one. Um, and excited to dive in. Thanks for kicking us off, Morgan. Of course, yeah, we are really excited to dive in. We have a Blue Future alumni with us today, um, Jahan Edesasi. Jahan, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, can we get started with you introducing yourself and just sharing a bit more about who you are? Yes, of course. Uh, thank you both so much. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Jehan Itsesi, and I'm currently a senior at Eleanor Roosevelt High School, um, located in Greenbelt, Maryland, United States of America. And I am a 2022 Blue Future alumni. And I'm also a youth advocate on a variety of global issues, uh, such as climate change, gender equality, educational opportunities, um, and much more. I'm also the founder of a nonprofit organization called STEM Up, which advocates for um, female representation in the STEM field. Um, And overall, I've worked with various um, bodies of representatives, such as the United Nations, um, and much more. And I'm really excited to be here and share my story. Well, we're so excited to have you, and thank you for your service in Blue Future and uh, all of the advocacy work that you have been doing. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about how you got started and interested in broader efforts for social change and social justice, and maybe more specifically about some of your advocacy work over the last couple of months and years. Yes, of course. So I would say my advocacy um, work slash journey really started um, in the beginning of my high school career. Prior to that, I've always been like sort of aware of, you know, the notion of, you know, advocating for global issues, um, particularly since I come from um, Ethnicity-wise, I'm Moroccan Amazigh, well, which is a sort of a tribe in Morocco. Um, but I was born here in the U.S., of course. And my parents are also Muslim, so I'm Muslim as well. And so I've sort of had that, um, I guess you could say, urge to sort of be like the first person to say something when I see something that's going wrong. Um, really, when it comes to like my identity and you know other global issues on a broader scale um, and more global scale as well. And so for me personally, I've never felt like that push until the beginning of ninth grade, which actually was um, the COVID-19 year um, where I was online for school for a whole year. So that was not only an adjustment, but really just learning how to advocate and sort of have these opportunities available to me uh, was also a challenge. Um, And so that's sort of where I got started in terms of, well, I have the passion, but I don't know how to go about, you know, sort of platforming myself. And now I'm fortunate enough to sort of have a platform, you know, through social media and through, you know, the initiatives that um, I hold or am a part of. Um, And so I always make sure I use that 
um, sort of struggle I went through, you know, to help others that, you know, may be going through the same struggle. And as of now, um, currently, I'm in my senior year of high school. Um, and so back backtracking to my ninth grade year, um, I never sort of had a specific global issue I wanted to advocate on. Sort of the two that have always been, I guess you could say, um, prioritized the most, of course, were climate change, since, you know, it's always been an ongoing thing, especially now, um, as we can see in the environment um, currently, and then also uh, gender equality, um, and then, of course, humanitarian efforts, whether that be through Red Cross, um, Make-A-Wish, or, you know, just other nonprofit organizations and institutions that would help. Um, and then, of course, I like to call myself a science gal so I've always been interested in science and so I try to incorporate that in my advocacy work um, and so I would say really the first sort of um, situation I guess you could uh, put it in that way um, that led me to want to you know put my voice out there and really not be shy as I was when I was in middle school for example um, and really I guess you could say Girl out of my shell um, was again <laughs> in my ninth grade year when we were all virtual, of course, at least for me. And um, there was a specific instance where um, I, I can give a little backstory. So I wore the hijab, which is um, like a head covering that covers like my hair in this case. Um, and you know, as a Muslim, it's sort of, it was my choice. And so for me personally having gone through a specific instance where I was being discriminated against in a specific opportunity within the educational realm, that sort of was, I guess you could say, a turning point for me to be like, if I'm being treated this way, I can't even imagine how, you know, of course, you know, people of color are being treated, other minority groups as a whole are being, you know, treated and, you know, marginalized against and unfortunately much more. And so that was sort of the first instance where I wanted to really catalog and um, I guess you could say expand my advocacy efforts. Um, and then that led to me doing an internship with Bard College at, which was a, um, I guess it was a climate change internship where we attempted to solve climate by 2030, but it's it's an ongoing project, of course. Um, and so in that specific internship, I felt as though my voice was more platformed and so I could sort of speak on it on a more broader scale. Um, and I always felt like, of course, I was the only one trying to sort of get into advocacy, like through, you know, other, I guess you could say, organizations. Um, and then I could say the next step that also cataloged my advocacy efforts was founding my own nonprofit organization called STEM Up, which I gave a brief background on. But essentially, it's a you know, woman in STEM organization. And we just advocate for you know, female representation in STEM. But now we're sort of also um, in extension connecting it to advocating on like, global issues, you know, whether that would be climate change, financial literacy, um, you know, for marginalized communities, like the teaching of it, um, and much more. So that's sort of like our mission statement per se. Um, and so really, I I guess you could say I didn't really know what I was doing <laughs> in the beginning since I've always seen, you know, other youth found these organizations, um, especially when you make it a nonprofit, it's a very complex process. And so for me, I didn't really know. And so what I, I remember what I would do is I would ask my old middle school math teacher how to, you know, register as a nonprofit. And I would sort of go out of my way to, you know, essentially do things on my own since there was no resources available to me at the time, even though it was only just a few years ago. And so once I was able to get through that curve, 
really founding STEM up opened my doors to, you know, so much more. And now I'm really fortunate to say that we have more than $750 in funding by organizations such as the Group Tape Challenge, um, as well as the Hershey's Act Grant Project. Um, and so we're really fortunate to sort of come on this journey um, and sort of, you know, make the change that we've made so far. But moving forward a little bit, um, I sort of expanded my advocacy efforts uh, again, you know, when we came back to school, uh, which was 2021-2022, um, which was not that long ago, of course. Um, and so during that year specifically, I really wanted to, you know, work on, for example, more humanitarian efforts and, you know, expand, you know, what I currently do um, and also what I was working on then, which is more climate sustainable focused, um, as well as, you know, gender inequality focused to more like of a broader aspect. Um, and so I started working with a human rights organization called Amnesty International. And I originally uh, worked with their local student group and which was the Laurel student group. And then I also worked with it in my high school chapter as well. Um, and both of them were great experiences, you know, to, you know, learn how you can advocate for humanitarian issues that really go on in an international scale. And I would say pursuing this work specifically first really opened my eyes, you know, to what I can be doing on an international scale. Um, and I also was really fortunate to work on the Amnesty International Intergenerational Cooperational Action Focus Working Group, which is a very long name, but essentially it's how to collaborate, you know, with different, you know, ages of uh, essentially Amnesty International workers, but, you know, sort of how we as a society can work together, um, no matter the ages, of course, the backgrounds, and also collaborate on, you know, how we can minimize the harmful effects that are happening in specific global issues, whether that will be happening in a specific country, region, or just ongoing, such as climate change, etc. Um, and then after that, I also, I just kept working, you know, with Amnesty International in my school, um, and then Fast forward to this year, I now serve as the Maryland Legislative Coordinator for Amnesty International USA, which is a very big honor. Um, but it's really nice because I can, you know, currently expand, you know, what I'm currently working on in terms of, you know, climate change as well as humanitarian efforts um, and other also organizations I work with. Um, at my school, I'm the president of my Red Cross Club. So we course work on humanitarian issues but one of for example the most notable events that we held this year which which was the turkey and syria relief drive um, i'm sure most of you all have heard now um, about the devastating earthquakes that have happened in turkey and as well as syria in february of 2023 and of course this is not the first time this has happened you know not uh, not only to both countries but just internationally However, to me personally, it's sort of, I guess you could say, hit home because I'm from Morocco, um, like, of course, origin-wise. Um, and so every time I go back, you know, to Morocco, really just to visit my family in general, I see, you know, the devastating impacts, you know, climate change has, which is honestly the most notable, um, as well as just other, you know, issues such as lack of access to education, to water, to food, um, et cetera. And so it's really, you know, devastating to see, you know, how different, you know, my life is, for example, to someone who lives in a village that my grandma grew up with. Um, and so for me personally, I always try to put myself in their shoes because I know they don't have these opportunities. And so making sure that, you know, I am able to not only voice their platform and voice as a whole, but also give them the same opportunities, you know, to um, expand and really make change in their community as well. No, thank you for sharing all of that. I think there's like 
a lot we definitely want to dive into because in your high school career, you have been able to do, you know, so, so much, um, especially as a young person kind of starting in ninth grade, it seems like every year you were really focused on a specific issue. So I want to go back to something you said about, um, there's a lot there that we're going to dive into, but I want to go back to um, your, your organization that you founded, um, STEM Up. So if you could just share with us um, briefly a little bit about why you felt it was important to kind of focus on STEM education in your school and um, for fellow young people. Yeah, of course. This is an amazing question Um, and also a question I get asked a lot um, specifically. So uh, I sort of can give a brief background. So I go to my high school is very, I guess you could say, science and technology oriented. Um, there's a lot of, I guess you could say, competition between not necessarily like who does best in terms of academics, but how well you can do in terms of the sciences as well as the technology fields. And so growing up also in a middle school that was also <laughs> technology oriented, I've always been immersed in STEM and I've really been fortunate enough to have that opportunity. And I can also briefly say this as well. Originally, I sort of really wanted nothing to do with STEM in terms of my career. I've always wanted to be a pilot. My cousin was always a flight attendant and just being in a plane (laughs) fascinated me all the time. Um, And so I always wanted to be a pilot and I even founded a club on it. And really it was this whole, I guess you could say, um, mission I was on per se. But going to like specifically a high school that was very science oriented, my whole, I guess you could say, future career plans completely switched into the sciences. But knowing me, I've always wanted to, of course, go into the science field, you know, as a female, but also wanted to, you know, continue um, in terms of my advocacy journey. And so for me personally, um, having, I guess you could say, opportunities as a female in STEM, of course, you know, are very, uh, I guess you could say, available now, but especially when I was younger, never was exposed to it whatsoever. And for me personally, I think it not is not necessarily the fact that, you know, I'm a female, of course, you know, women, you know, go through many, you know, things in terms of, you know, educational opportunities and just sort of the discrimination we face on a daily basis is unfortunately very common. For me personally, being someone, you know, being a daughter of immigrants as well as, you know, coming from, you know, Morocco and sort of just being Muslim in general, I've always been, I guess you say, looked at in a different perspective. Um, and so, I, for example, like in my class, I've always been, you know, the odd one out because of my head scarf. And so, you know, these continuous situations have always led me to sort of think in a different like, I guess you say outside of the box. And really, I can, you know, I cannot even imagine, you know, the discrimination, you know, for example, people of color face or, you know, other more marginalized groups face. Um, but when you put it into a perspective of you're female, and for example, you're a person of color or whether you're female and you're from an indigenous group, you know, how, you know, your background in general, and, you know, if you add on being a female, it can really get difficult in terms of what's available to us. And so for me personally, when I entered high school, I don't, I want to, I sort of want to put in the best way possible, but I sort of felt as though it was very dominated in terms of, I guess you could say, like, not necessarily male, like, um, 
I know how to put it, but it was very like what I could see essentially was there was no stereotypes being broken in terms of, you know, females, you know, being academically successful in the STEM fields. And so for me personally, growing up with not much opportunities as a female who wanted to go into STEM, as well as, you know, seeing, you know, other not uh, I guess you could say not many you know females going to STEM in, in my school as well and just in on a general basis and just in general you know seeing the international discrimination that females go through you know for example wanting to go into STEM I know in a lot of countries you know they deliberately don't allow females access to for example tests you know uh, in the in the U.S. we have the something called the SAT and ACT which I'm sure you're already aware of but in that case if you look at it on an international scale, many females are not able to take that test, no matter their age and no matter their background, because of the governments, you know, their country goes through, or really, it's just a lot of factors that play into. And so for me, when I see that injustice, as well as something that I personally faced as well, and also something that I've always felt like I needed to do, you know, I've always felt like I had to advocate, you know, for, you know, essentially, a group that's been, you know, discriminated against for so long. And we've seen the progress that, you know, females in STEM have made. And for me personally, I've always, you know, been a support, you know, of all females. Um, and being one myself, it's sort of really like, I guess you could say, uh, spearheaded my uh, passion into, you know, advocating for something that, you know, I've experienced as well as that I know many others have as well. And so I wanted to contribute in some way. And so that was when I decided to call STEM up, which I'll give a back, brief background and name. STEM, of course, we know STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. But we make sure to, you know, advocate on really anything that females want to go into, um, specifically, of course, the STEM fields, since these are the most male-dominated fields. And fortunately, I believe there's been an increasing curve in terms of females going into these fields. Um, however, STEM, of course, and for, you know, the field STEM, and then means like uh, I guess you could say like optimism like we can all rise up together as females and we can all go into you know the STEM field and really you can just be successful educationally academically as a whole and what STEM up is dedicated to is providing these opportunities providing internships providing summer programs um, and really workshops that are able to expose you know other for example young females and just females as a whole to the STEM field um, and really we want to help you know everyone as much as possible and you know seeing um the lack of opportunities there are, especially like in marginalized groups, internationally, etc. We are really dedicated to that. And so for me personally, I sort of came out of the blue. I was like, I'm going to found STEM up. <laughs> and really just trying to work on it, you know, over the past, you know, three years now. Um, and I've really been lucky enough to to be able to come this far with STEM Jahan, thank you so much for providing that context and overview about STEM Up. I love the name, I love the vision and the spirit of taking action. For us, we kind of think about leadership as uh, the moving toward action, the collective and individual movement towards taking action around something that we find unfair, about something that we think is not right, something that we want to see different in our world. And you're the epitome of doing so with this issue. And it sounds like many others. And that's what leaders do is every one of us sees injustice every single day. But not many of us feel the agency, the platform, as you've said, to step into action and to say, well, I want to do something big, small or otherwise about this challenge. 
and really move move into action doing so. So I want to commend you for that. The other thing we've come to learn uh, about leadership is it's really challenging too along the way. And I wonder if you can share with our listeners what have been some of the challenges as you've developed your agency, your leadership as a um, as an advocate, as a nonprofit leader, as a young woman, um, as Muslim, as a daughter of immigrants, etc. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for that amazing question. Um, I would say, first of all, I want to say, you know, leadership, as you stated, is a very um, complex, not necessarily, but, you know, long journey. And for me personally, I've completely felt, you know, the ups and downs, sort of growing up in a mindset that I can't fail. Like that was always, I guess you could say the epitome of what I've always wanted to achieve is I cannot fail because I thought if I failed or if I wanted to give up or even had the you know opportunity to give up I you know in extension am a failure which is completely so wrong and I really discourage anyone from having that mindset and for me personally I've always you know had to remember is first of all I'm a very outgoing child you know although in some cases I'm very shy and timid I always try to you know sort of voice my opinion whenever possible and really you know of course in extension make a change um whenever I can of course but in the beginning especially when I you know was trying to you know lead and you know not only with founding my nonprofit but you know just lead in uh, various initiatives I've always sort of had the you know second guessing thought of am I like going, is my voice going to be considered? Like, is my opinion valid? Um, am I doing too much? That's also something I very heavily, you know, receive, not necessarily in backlash, but sort of in a way where it's like, are you, you're doing too much in terms of you're leading this, you're leading that, you know, you're doing that. And for me personally, I've, I literally never understood the concept of, am I doing too much? I've always had the I guess you see mindset of I'm doing what needs to be done in terms of advocating for our younger generation, you know, our generation now. And I've really never thought of it like that. But when I was really especially getting started with, you know, leading various initiatives, I I often got that a lot. And not necessarily, of course, from family, but more so from the people I worked with um, in, for example, like academics, extracurriculars. They've always, you know, sort of mentioned you're doing things that are just not needed in terms of you're like, I guess you say trying too hard. And for me personally, I've always known I've done a lot in terms of advocacy. But as I said, I've always felt like it's needed. And of course it is needed. You know, we want to encourage everyone to advocate for, you know, global issues, especially if you're a young person, um, you know, specifically. And so for me personally, that is a big challenge I had to go through was, you know, the second guessing thought of, you know, is is my voice needed? And, you know, will, I guess you could say, me, like, will I be perceived in a way where it's like, again, I'm doing too much. Um, but really, that is what I want to emphasize is, you know, especially if you're a young person, never think that you are quote unquote doing too much. Never think that your voice is not needed. Never think that your opinion is not valid. And no matter what, like, you know, global issue you're advocating on, you know, making sure that you're just like what voicing it in the smallest way, whether that would be putting flyer up on your school or even on the chair outside, you know, where you live, or just telling someone about, you know, why advocating, you know, especially as a young person is important. All of this is needed. 
And so for me, you know, not only having to ch- overcome this challenge, but also, you know, break the stereotypes, especially where I come from culturally, you know, just in my background as a whole, that was also another challenge. Um, and then I would say another challenge that also goes in extension, you know, with in terms of, you know, leadership and sort of making sure it's like a smooth process per se was balancing your mental health as well for me personally i've always i think i don't i'm not sure if i mentioned this but i've always been like an overachiever or at least i try to because i always want to you know make the highest impact as possible and you know i kind of stated this before but i always i kind of get disappointed in myself if i don't reach a specific goal of course i've definitely come much you know better in terms of that mindset now but what i want to emphasize is you know always make sure you have a balance you know make sure you especially if you're a young person you know advocate on these global issues make sure that your voice you know is being heard you know do not be shy and that's also something i would say be comfortable of course you know don't force yourself in anything of course but make sure that you know you are you know, you know, reaching, you know, as many voices as possible. And so, um, because I also went through that, you know, in the beginning, like I sort of was just telling my friends and family, like, oh, you know, women uh, having female representation in STEM is important. Um, advocating for climate change is crucial. You know, we see in our environment today, especially. I was just telling my friends and my classmates. And now, fortunately, I'm able to tell, you know, hundreds of people, you know, on these initiatives that I'm able to lead. And so, but I always make sure to, you know, respect him back. So because I now have this opportunity, I want to make sure other people have these opportunities as well. Um, and so for me personally, I would say that's the biggest challenge is, you know, making sure I have that balance in terms of, you know, my life as well, but also that my voice is being heard and that essentially you're not being afraid of the notion that, you know, you're quote unquote doing too much as a youth advocate. So that would be my definitely my biggest challenges. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, giving some advice too, because I think a lot of other young people are always looking like, where where can I go next? Like how how can I get involved? So we really appreciate hearing that and always love when people share some of those insights. We're gonna take a short break. We'll be right back with the Shide podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Shride podcast. We want to remind all of our listeners about an upcoming election in Virginia. We are less than two weeks away from the Virginia elections on November 7th. We want to make sure that all of our listeners are talking to their friends and family members in Virginia, making sure that they are registered to vote, know where their polling place is, and know how they are going to vote. Blue Future, Grassroots Democrats HQ, and Voters of Tomorrow are planning many efforts to get out the vote and mobilize voters. Check out our website to see how you can get involved. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We're back with the Stride podcast. Uh, Today we have youth activist and organizer, uh, Jahan from Maryland. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, So first we wanted to ask you, we've been talking a lot about the work you've done, but would love to know what does the future hold for you? Yes, thank you so much, Martin. Um, so I would say the future in terms of, you know, sort of where I am now, really, uh, especially in terms of my advocacy, um, I like to be optimistic. So I'm going to say it looks really bright, um, especially, you know, in terms of where we are now, like politically, um, et cetera. And so for me, I am hopefully going to be serving on a number of councils this year, um, sort of 
there's a lot of, you know, it's it's a long process in terms of applications, but hopefully, you know, I'm going to be continuing um, running my nonprofit organization, STEM Up, as well as, you know, continuing my advocacy work on the community level within my school, of course, um, and then hopefully expanding, you know, to more international efforts. So, you know, continuing to work with the United Nations through one of the initiatives I actually worked on this past term, and hopefully we'll be continuing this uh, term, uh, which is the United Nations U.S. Uh, Ocean Decade Youth Advisory Council as well as um, the World Ocean Day Council, um, and then uh, also a number of councils in terms of primarily climate sustainability work. Um, however, of course, focusing on, you know, uh, women in STEM, you know, female representation in the STEM fields, um, and just continuing my advocacy work in those manners and fields. Um, especially this summer, I've been able to, you know, really sort of expand um, in terms of international level, which I'm very fortunate, of course, to have this opportunity to do that. Um, but in terms of especially the future on where I see myself pursuing, I, of course, you know, will be applying to colleges. So hopefully, you know, focusing on that arena as well um, will be very exciting. Um, and really just making sure I make, you know, change in terms of, of course, women in STEM, climate change, sustainability, um, as well as humanitarian efforts, which is very important. Um, and just making sure that, you know, I continue to do, for example, my academics and sciences, but also prioritize my advocacy work. It's always something that I've always been, I guess you could say, driven with. It's sort of like the spark in my heart I guess you could say um and so it's really exciting you know to sort of think about the notion that I will be continuing um and really just you know as we can see in our uh, generation today you know we see from the Maui fires happening in Hawaii Unfortunately, we see the, you know, Canada fires that have happened in, you know, Canada, of course, you know, in the U.S., you know, really like everywhere in the world um, in terms of sustainability. So that has also been a huge priority of mine is, you know, making sure that, you know, we as a young generation are able to advocate on climate change, you know, raise it, especially to our political leaders and, you know, lobbying is something I've been very lucky to do and I'm very excited to continue doing it, um, serving as the Maryland Legislative Coordinator for Amnesty International USA. Um, and so, you know, lobbying to not only my state coordinators, but, you know, just, of course, Congress as a whole um, is another initiative I'm very um, excited to be pursuing as well. And, you know, hopefully, you know, being able to reach voices, whether that be through conferences or, you know, through my nonprofit, um, and really just making sure that, you know, I'm providing the same opportunities I, you know, essentially imagined to have, you know, I always dreamed of, you know, reaching a stage where I, you know, coming from a background that I do come from, am able to, you know, voice, you know, the opinions that I have, you know, which are very important, you know, especially on these global issues that, you know, we so very much prioritize and, you know, admire in terms of advocacy. And so that's what I imagine the future looking like. I also hope, you know, the future in general for me and just for every, you know, young person and of course every individual um, is fair, equal, and I really hope we reach a more civil, you know, I guess you could say society and, you know, where everyone is included, no one is excluded. And, you know, I really hope that that not only not is true for me, but, you know, for everyone else in the world, especially if you're a young person. That's wonderful. Thank you, uh, Jehan, for sharing all of that, for all the good work you've done. We're excited to continue to follow along on your journey as you continue to make this world a better place. With all that you do, how do you find time to rest and recharge? Yes, I think this is a very important question. And I've kind of briefly touched on it before with, you know, mental health. But something I've also very, you know, learned a lot, especially in 
sort of try to manage um, equally is, of course, mental health and just your you know, work-life balance, I guess you could say. Um, and so for me personally, uh, you know, I, I guess you could say it's kind of obvious, but I'm a nature freak <laughs> in a good way, of course. So I love nature. Like you can honestly sit me in front of an ocean or a tree and I would just sit and look at it and be like, this is wonderful because I just love nature that much. And, you know, of course, preserving it, you know, is very important as much as possible. Um, and so for me personally, I love going on walks. Like I think, you know, going on walks in my neighborhood is like honestly the best thing ever. <laughs> and especially like when I'm in a, you know, traveling or, you know, for example, in a different country, I just find it so fascinating to, you know, go out in the nature and just really breathe and sort of, you know, soak in our environment. And, you know, even to this day, I'm like, is this really, you know, the environment we live in? Um, and so, of course, I love going on walks and just exposing myself to the beautiful nature we have on our planet Earth. Um, and also, you know, I love um, reading. I think reading is very important. I try to do it as much as possible, like not only in academics, of course, but just like in my free time. Um, and so for me, I love reading books. Um, I think, I can't remember exactly the last book I read, but it definitely was something in terms of like policy. Like I'm very like policy oriented, which actually is also like another way I sort of relax and wind down per se is, you know, I love watching docuseries, um, you know, in terms of policy. And I also love, I also love history as well. So, and I love learning about history. It's like a very fascinating, you know, thing in our you know society um and so i love watching history docuseries as well and just reading uh, about you know the vast history um you know and in our world and you know as we know a lot of it is unjust like a huge portion of it is very like unfair in terms of what has been done but really you know learning myself about new cultures and like for example different foods and just exposing myself to other parts of the world is something I love and I, I do that by you know talking with you know people from diverse backgrounds whether that be my friends classmates or just people I work with in general um, and I also you know love to bake uh, you know different cultural foods and really just um, I guess you could say release my creativity through that as well um, it's something I really enjoy and I love chocolate as well so that's something that, you know, I like learning about different cultures in different cultures. But yeah, those are a few things I do to sort of unwind and break down. I love that. Thank you for sharing all of those. And of course, cannot forget about chocolate. That is like an essential human thing. Nick and I are big chocolate lovers. So thanks for bringing that up. And big food lovers in general. I mean, can't go wrong. Uh, and love to read as well. So I'm glad that you find that time because uh, it is really important to make sure we can rest. And so for our last question, we ask every podcast guest this, um, you know, we would love to hear what you would envision if the world were truly free. And that can mean a lot of different things. So take it as you will. Yes, of course. This is such a fascinating question. Personally, uh, when we talk about, you know, the world being truly free, I always think of one saying, and I did mention this before, but it's a world where everyone is included and no one is excluded because of their background. You know, whether that be cultural, religious, you know, general background, really anything as a whole. And so for me personally, that's what I envision our world being, is where we can, you know, not only, you know, go to a person, you know, work with a person, you know, just like be with an individual who is 
I guess a lot of the times, unfortunately, stereotyped as quote unquote different. And we can work with them. We can welcome them. We can be with them. And, you know, someone being someone as well who has faced, you know, discrimination, um, primarily, of course, religiously, but also, you know, as I said, being, you know, a female who wants to go into STEM um, in general, it's very unfortunately common, you know, the discrimination that, you know, individuals from diverse backgrounds face, you know, on a not only national in the US, but also international level. And so when I see these things, I always go back to the saying of we need to be able, you know, especially like our younger generation as well, but we need to be able to go to someone and not have an issue with, you know, their background, you know, where they come from, etc. Because the more people think in that mindset, the more it just puts a spotlight, unfortunately, on, you know, negativity, on, you know, like I said, discrimination. And the more you're not able to see the person for who they are. And of course, it's just quite frankly unjust and unfair. And so we, you know, as I guess you could say, as, you know, a society need to be able to, you know, include everyone no matter who they are. Um, And so for me personally, that's how I envision the world being in. And, you know, looking at where we are, you could say politically, um, I guess you could say, like, even financially, like, no matter where we are, you know, especially in the U.S., there's always going to be a setback that, of course, marginalized groups face. You know, people that have been discriminated against, especially for generations, have faced and unfortunately may continue facing. And it is up to, you know, individuals, you know, such as me, for example, to be able to emphasize their voice, to put a spotlight on their voice, to be able to, for example, go to our policymakers and tell them this is unjust. Why are we advocating for it? And, you know, we've seen that through a lot of global issues. And thankfully, there are a lot of, you know, institutions, especially global issues, uh, non-global issues, sorry, but um, I like uh, global platform is a better way to put it, that, you know, do emphasize youth voices. Um, but I think a lot of, especially a lot of what, you know, our older generation misses is, you know, what the youth face. For example, when it comes to the environment, a lot of the, you know, harmful effects does directly affect the youth, whether it not be through going to school, bus transportation, food sustainability, just general educational access, etc. This is all in connection and being able to, you know, envision a world where no matter who you are, you're be, you're able to be included in every situation essentially it's the best version we can possibly be you know there would be no issues in terms of getting along you know in terms of this and that you know of course people may treat each other differently and i am a firm believer in treating everyone with kindness no matter who they are you know always treat them in the best way possible it's not only in you know the moroccan culture you know being muslim as as well but you know it's just a, a humane thing to do is you know treat people as much as possible with kindness you know but then you look at the side where it's like i'm treating them with kindness and what if they're not treating me with kindness what if they're discriminating against me and you know i unfortunately face that and it comes to the point where you need to stand up for yourself and you need to stand up for other people who are being also discriminated against and so when you look at it in a perspective of you know everyone is included and no one is excluded it just, I guess you could say, really puts 
back, like put, it takes away this barrier that you know society has been fighting with for so long of like I'm going to discriminate against this specific group. For example, is someone else? Someone else may say that. Or someone else may say like, oh, I'm not going to let you in this educational opportunity because you come from this background or because this is, you know, who you are or who you go with or, you know, many, many, many things. And when you remove that barrier in all aspects of life, you know, educationally, extracurricularly, really anywhere, that barrier is gone. And so an extension, what that means is that you're being treated fairly. And that is what we as a society need to reach. We need to reach a point where no one is being treated unfairly because of who they are. And we need to stand against, stand up against those who are the ones that are treating marginalized groups unfair, unfairly. We need to be the ones who stand up against those who, for example, are bullying, you know, as I stated, you know, discriminated groups and really just anyone in general, we need to be the ones to, you know, really be their catalyzed voice, be the voice that, you know, they may wish they have. Because if no one stands up for them, who, you know, will they stand up for? And I think it's so powerful when youth do that, you know, have a voice and make sure that they're using their voice for the better. And so I envision a world where everyone is included and no one is excluded. Jehan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We hope uh, everyone has a wonderful day wherever you are. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Stride Podcast. We'll be back soon. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Stride Podcast today. We would like to thank Eli Silverman Lloyd for the music for our podcast. And our podcast is produced in-house by the Blue Feature team. If you are interested in joining a future episode or learning more about our work, please send us an email at hello at ourbluefuture.us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.